It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Inside the Birds is back. Jeff Mosher, Adam Kaplan, former Eagle Billy Osborne. We are back, guys. So much to discuss since we uh, lasted in Inside the Birds. There was a Super Bowl that was played. It was, um, well, ugly, to say the least. The Rams lose, the Patriots win, yada, yada. We've got some... Nick Foles slash Carson Wentz news. We've got some coaching staff changes. And, of course, uh, a lot of what we talk about going into the Combine in two weeks and coming out will be the salary cap and what the Eagles do from here as far as players coming back. So we're going we're gonna to cover it all. But I wanted to start off with really the hot topic here around the Eagles has been the quarterbacks. It's been Nick Foles and what they do with him. And it's been Carson Wentz and his kind of reaction to the Philly voice story that we spent some time talking about on the last Inside the Birds. And I really, I wanted to qu- get your quick take, Ozzy, starting with you, on what you felt about Carson Wentz, what he said publicly both uh, to the, the select few beat writers he spoke to, and then he spoke again on WIP, I believe on, what, Wednesday? So um, twice he's really kind of come out publicly and talked about that piece from Philly Voice. What did you think about it, Ozzy? Well, I think he's tried to, you know, obviously it was a – he thought through what how he was going to respond. It wasn't just a off the cuff. Uh, oh, really? I had a story. He said, "Oh, let me talk to reporters." So this was something that was planned. It was thought out with probably from his team of people, maybe even some people within the Eagles organization. So I think he tried to get out in front of it. And considering everything, um, you know, I think he did you know the best that he could because he kind of he didn't he didn't he didn't completely dismiss it. And he also didn't necessarily say it was true. He just basically said that I, you know, I have to worry about what I am in control of, and I'm going to uh, to do that. And How I'm important go out there was and that? The, what's that? From a player standpoint, from someone who's played the game and been around players who are extremely competitive, how important do you think, or how did you view him candidly acknowledging some merit to that report? Well, cathartic or probably reveal something that's not great. I mean, I don't know. No, here's what I think about. You know, when you when you when you're at a game, right, 
and let's say uh, there's a couple minutes to go or whatever, and somebody does something, and now the whole the whole place is going, you whatever, you whatever, or go. There's a there's a there's a unison within fifty thousand people, and they're all saying something, right? Mm-hmm. And then the reporters after the game say, "Hey, what was your feelings when those uh, the fans were saying that?" And the guy says. I don't. I don't. Pay, I didn't hear anything. I didn't pay attention to that stuff. I didn't hear it. Right. Now you know you did because everybody else did, and you and you were, and, and every, all your fans and your and your teammates were saying they. You know you did. So so why lie about it? So in this case, Carson could have said what what story? I don't know what what you're talking about. And we'd have been all like, that's kind of dumb. We you know you know he found out about it. Mm-hmm. So I like the way he hit it head on. You know that's the kind of Carson's you know deal. He's gonna so be, he's he can gonna be real of, about it. He can kind of play carefree. You think without that hanging over it? Like like is I guess what I'm asking is if you think it's cathartic where it's like a purge you get it out now and yes and no, there's there's you know the, the, you know obviously some you know i i always say this and this is you'll like this from an athlete standpoint when something happens you know hit it hit a hole like in other words when i played baseball or played football i had this big cut on my arm or big cut on my knee mm-hmm. you know you get in a shower and you kind of get into the shower and you kind of drip it and you're like oh oh this is gonna hurt i just get in there and i put the cut right in front of the water <laughs> and just like just blast it just get over the pain quickly so that's why it was very cathartic. So instead of like letting it, you know, have dribble pain and little, just get it over with. Just go hit it head on and move on. All right. I'm not going to be on your team next time we're playing sports together. <laughs> Adam, what'd you think? Yeah, I, I thought Carson Wentz did a smart thing uh, in just addressing it. He didn't say it was totally true. And when, when we talked about this two or three weeks ago, I addressed what I knew about it. I knew some of what Joe Santillaquillo had in his article was true. I addressed the type A. I had a team source tell me, car, called Carson Wentz a major type A. Ironically, what would Carson say? I know I'm a type A. Mm-hmm. He actually admitted it uh, in his little press gathering. Typically, the way it works at the quarterback position, if you're really, really good, even some of the best, like Kurt Warner, I've talked to guys who work with him, could be a pain, will challenge you. Carson's the same way. He's a major type A. As one coach told me with the Eagles, you better have an answer when you're working with Carson. If you don't, he's going to eat you alive. Man, I hate those guys that are so smart that they call you on everything because, you know, I'm not. He, so. he, uh, well, <laughs> as far as you know. but Luckily, I'm with you guys. Yes, so it's not correct. We, we're, we're dumbing you down. Right. We're good at it. But overall, I thought Carson did a good job of getting out in front of it. Good for him. It's really a non-story. I thought because of the time of year the Eagles were out of the playoffs, became a story. What else are we talking about other than the quarterbacks? And when it's the quarterback... Mm-hmm. In a top media market, on a team that won the Super Bowl the previous year, it's going to be a top of a conversation. I don't care whether the story's true or not, we're going to talk about it. And that's at WIP for four days. I was gone on a, on a trip to one of the All-Star games. I come back Thursday night, four days after, they're still talking about it. So it was a major story. One thing that I found was really interesting from the Eagles side, and they kind of, I guess the, the message that they sent was, we're going to have Carson handpick who he wants to talk to. This is his agent-driven decision. And when they wound up picking... Six, was it really? That's what the, the uh, I read. I was reading back and forth on how it came about. That uh-huh. the, it, was, it was Carson and his camp that chose the six writers that he was comfortable with. Huh. I thought it was weird that two of them represented the same company. There were two guys from Philly.com, that umbrella, and two guys from NBC Sports. Instead of having six different writers to represent six different markets, nonetheless... What you saw by not having a press conference and what you saw by not having TV cameras there is that they controlled not only the message, but how it gets disseminated. For example, you know this city and you know what it's like. If they did it in a press conference and if they had cameras there, from now until training camp, every time they did a piece on Carson Wentz, you would hear him talking about this over and over and over on TV because there's really... 
from now until training camp, there's not that going to be that many press conferences involving Carson Wentz, maybe two or three at media, uh, at OTAs. But the bottom line is, this is the juiciest story. And I think by not having the cameras there, not having the ability to replay and replay and replay all throughout the spring and then the summer and the late winter here, it kind of makes the story go away. Yeah, and, and I would say this. I'm glad that there's no more speculation. He's now gotten in front of, out in front of it in this way. He's willing to talk about some of the flaws that he has. All of us are flawed in some way or another. We're flawed. He was willing to do that. And he talked about it. He put it out there. Hey, look, this is the way I am. I know I could be better in a certain way, whatever, however way he put it. And I like that he had it at a small press gathering. That's pretty good because instead of taking 20 random questions, it's like a, it's like a back and forth. I, 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 I kind of like the way it went. And he addressed all of it. Did he Did he leave anything out? Did you think he didn't address anything? No, I think he did address everything. I think they gave the writers at least enough time to ask most of the questions that I was looking forward to him being asked. There was one answer that concerned me. And then he went back, he went on WIP, like I mentioned, on, I believe, Wednesday, and did an interview with Angelo Cataldi, and it was really well done. And he was asked the same question, and the answer again concerned me. And the question was, the question was, did you learn anything while you were hurt watching Nick? And his answer in both situations was, hey, look, I, you know, I've learned a lot from Nick. Nick's learned a lot from me. I think we learn a lot from each other. And then Carson, in, in both cases, went on to say that they, they are great friends, but they also look at offense differently. They're not the same guy, and they have different, say, approaches to offense. And that's fair. That's not the part that concerned me. I think the, the part that... When you when you bring that up in in a question about what you learned from watching Nick, it, to me, Ozzy, he was kind of saying like, "I'm still going to run the offense kind of the way I like to do it," and that's fine. He's a very talented quarterback. But the one thing that we saw and we've talked about with Nick is that Nick did things differently. He throws the ball to Alshon in a way where Alshon's supposed to be used that Carson didn't do. And also, Nick was a when the defense shows me this, I'll use all five outlets for the defensive look when the defense played a lot of man in that Texans game he was able to find his man beaters like Nelson Aguilar and Darren Sproles for touchdowns when they played Chicago and they played a lot of zone Nick did a great job of saying all right I'm not going to get the ball deep here against that zone I'm going to go pick guys apart Carson and the story brought this out I still feel like Carson feels like that whole idea is beneath him or not what he wants to do but that's an idea that for this offense to me is important Oz I think that there's five outlets, and you've got to be able to use them all in the right way. There's no doubt about that. And so it's tough to really get into his mind and what he's thinking. However, your point is, is well taken because, you know, obviously he may get a little defensive if people say, hey, look what the Eagles did without you there. I mean, there's so many things because the defenses play differently. You know, obviously when Carson's under center versus Nick, I think that the coaches coach differently. There was no doubt about that. And from my perspective, when I saw the play calling, and then the, the play calling was definitely different. Um, but games are like ebb and flow. So you, it's really tough to predict. You go into a game and next thing you know, you think you're going to be out front and next thing you know, you're down 10-0 because you kicked, you know, you dropped the opening kickoff and a guy got a pump locked. The next thing you know, you're playing from behind. Scheme's completely uh, different. So um, Carson is a talented guy. He, I mean, we saw what he can do when he's, when he's healthy. And the bottom line is, you know, we, he was still injured a lot. So I think some of the perspective of people seeing him around the locker room doing things was from an injured guy. I mean, they have, this guy is constantly trying to get back. So I think that he's also probably a little sensitive to that. Mm-hmm. So the, is he going to play quarterback differently than Nick? Sure. Um, is he going to approach defenses differently? Sure. Mm-hmm. But he would be wise 
as a young guy like he is, to be able to, whether it's Nick or the third stringer or the guy that you're playing against, if while you're watching film, if you can see something that you can implement into your repertoire and make you better and make mm-hmm. your offense better, you know, you'd be you'd be a fool. Right, not to do it. Right, and he probably wouldn't and, be around. And we talked at him about the, the like the idea of a checkdown throughout the year that he would <laughs> exactly. he would not do, and and it yeah. almost made me wonder when hearing him talk about this. I run my offense the way I want. If he not only felt pressure from Nick winning the Super Bowl to really go out there and have a great year, but pressure from a guy who he probably has similar skill set to Patrick Mahomes going out and ripping up the league, just throwing the ball everywhere down the field, left-handed. Now he's the new thing. You know Carson is driven to be the best at what he did. So I wonder if, again, he kind of looks and says, I'd rather be like that than be like the, like Nick. So so that's the thing what we don't know with, with, with Wentz having to watch most of the second half on the sidelines. Did he pick up anything from Foles? We were not sure, but the one – and you brought up the check down. This has been my pet peeve. If you've listened to us – on Inside the Birds as we start. I brought it up several times. Jeff oh, yeah. has brought it up. It's the one thing that's maddening. Um, I asked one of the Eagles coaches uh, the summer. He doesn't, this guy didn't coach quarterbacks. I said, what do you think about Carson not checking down? He goes, it's just part of the matric. Just as you mature as a quarterback, you'll start understanding how the outlet, uh, how the outlet for you is going to help you, not hurt you. Mm-hmm. It actually really helps you advance the, the offense. Take the five, seven-yard gain on first down if you're going to check it down. Instead of taking the tough pass that's probably not, not there, A, I'll cut down on your mistakes you're on, an, on an interception or getting deflected. And if the guy's wide open, if Corey Clement's wide open, check it down to him. That, that's what it's there for. That's why in the West Coast offense, that's why they. I, I think – I remember Marty Morningweg telling me, I think there's like five open – there's five guys on every play that can get the football. It's not just what it looks like on, on film. Right. We know when we design it on the West Coast offense – the old Bill Walsh way, there are five outlets. Mm-hmm. So you should be able to check it down. If you don't do it, you're not being as good as you can be. Right. I mean, I, I got a, uh, Tom Brady has now won two of the last three Super Bowls, been to three straight, and I, I, don't, I don't think I, I can recall him throwing the ball more than 30 yards on the field. Now, I know he's older and everything like that, and not everybody wants to play the game that way, and nor can they, but the bottom line is this is a game now, as you're mentioning, where the West Coast offense, everybody runs a version of it, the spread, everybody runs a version of it, where – Linebackers are having a lot of trouble covering tight ends and running backs out of the field. New breed of athlete. This is a game that's played more 5, 10, 15 yards than it is 55, 60, 65 yards. And the Eagles don't yeah. have a Tyreek Hill. That, that, is, that is the matchup. Joe Banner was the one who got me on this at ESPN. He said the biggest pet peeve he had with, with coaching sometimes offense is that you need to take advantage of those matchups you just talked about. You talked about linebacker. That's He loved Deion Lewis. Okay, Joe, Joe's guy was Deion Lewis. He... Um, he was here in Philly when the, you know Dion had to grow up a little bit. He had to move on. Uh, he thought Dion Lewis was the, today's version of what you should have at running back, mm-hmm. the versatility. You need someone who could go out and catch the football out of the backfield. Linebackers can't – you can, what linebackers could cover a guy that runs the f- mid-four fours? No. None, can't happen. None. And if you're, not, if you're not getting these guys out in space, you're not doing a good enough job. And I mean, by the way, a quarterback, yeah. Jeff, uh-huh. if the quarterback's not taking advantage of that matchup and you're still trying to get it downfield, you're not doing your job. Right. Carson, as great as he was at 17, and, and I, I think we would all agree, probably wouldn't be the MVP. He still, that's when I got on this. I said, the one knock on him, and I noticed it watching him from the press box, then on tape, these guys are open. Mm-hmm. But he was so magnificent with his passing, 
you were you were like, you know what? If that's the worst thing that he does, that's fine. But now it stuck out this season because he wasn't good enough. Right. All right. Before we get to Nick, because we're going to parlay that into Nick and, and the whole franchise tag and what it means. Well, if they use it. Um, real quick, because we had been talking about the coaching staff on the last episode, uh, obviously going back a few weeks where Adam and I broke the story about certain guys not being back. I believe the Eagles have announced that they promoted Carson Walsh. They announced that? Okay. I'm pretty sure that they, they put it out. If not, I know there are reports about it. And I, I'm thought I think that it was Bruce did. Feldman, but you and I know that it's happened. I know for a fact it's Yeah, happening. it's going to happen. And yeah. it sounds like Philip Daniel, who was the assistant defensive line coach, is now going to be the defensive line coach. I saw him being congratulated on Twitter for getting the job, and he uh-huh. liked it. Okay. So that helps. And they're bringing back a guy who has familiarity with the team, um, Alabama.com or AL.com reporting that Joe Pannunzio, who is – Kind of a scout slash coach under the Chip Kelly era. Went back to Alabama where he had come from, and now he's coming back to join the team. I th- and from what I understand, to do a little bit of both. A little coaching help, a little scouting help. We'll see what kind of uh, title he gets. But it's really not what we all thought they might do. We thought they might bring in a veteran offensive mind and uh, or a veteran defensive guy. They did bring in Matt Burke who was the former Dolphins defensive coordinator who has coached under Jim Schwartz before. And I still wonder if there's going to be a move after today. But does anything strike you, Adam, about any of these moves? Yeah, so um, I would say a couple of coaching sources told me that. Their understanding was Peterson's mantra this offseason was to promote within if he could. Mm-hmm. So Philip Daniels, who was an assistant D-line coach to Chris Wilson, is now going to be the D-line coach. Yep. Former Redskin, by the way. Well, he played D- for the D-N, right, yeah, right, yeah. right. And Seattle Seahawks, right. that's where he started. And that's career. something we mentioned about a player, and not a college coach, a player who can relate to right, players. Right, right. So, so when Jeff and I broke the story that Chris Wilson was out, um, I started to get an idea that it wasn't going to be what I originally heard. It was going to be more that Doug, according to coaching sources I spoke with, wanted to promote from within. So, And Bill knows this is a for a coach and as a player – as a personnel guy, it's good to do that, but it doesn't mean it's going to work. And I know that there was a coach, um, he's had coaches, Jim Schwartz has had coaches on the staff who are like wide nine specialists. Chris Kucerik, who's now the D-line coach of the Niners, was tremendous with the wide nine in um, in, in Detroit mm-hmm. with Sue and with Ziggy Ansah and some other, co- some other players, but he didn't get him. He went to San Francisco, so he brought in Matt Burke as an assistant who will help him sort of from a conceptual standpoint, help him out. Maybe he'll blitz a little more. Who knows? But <laughs> that, that would be a whole new inside know, the birds. That, that, that would be crazy. Yes. That would really be a consult. <laughs> that'd be a strong consult. And then, you know, Philip Daniels has been there for a couple of years. This is a big step for him. He's not a young guy. He's in his mid forties, but this is a big step to run, run your own room. It's great that he was a pretty good football player, but now, as you said, it's the wide nine. He now is going to run that room. Carson Walsh now, um, if you're following me on Twitter, I did put it out kind of where they were thinking. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is, I'm told by multiple sources that Doug's thought process was this. Carson Walsh is not a guy that is green. He is a guy that was an offensive coordinator in the CFL, which I didn't know until like a week ago someone told me. Because I, I didn't know anything about the guy, to be honest with you. I wasn't sure if he's going to get the job, so mm-hmm. I kind of dismissed it. And then I got a little of a tip that this is probably going to happen, so I'm like, all right, I better learn about him. So he's actually a really smart guy, and, and uh, this coaching source said, Doug wants new ideas, fresh ideas from guys, if he can, on his own staff, Jeff. So to summarize it, there actually might be another promotion. Um, they may prom- they may give, put another person in there. Oh, G.J. Kinney's coming in. Oh, G.J., yeah. Yeah, I he's a 30-year-old former quarterback, practice squatter for the Eagles, who, by the way, also got moved to receiver because he's a pretty good athlete. Yeah. So, so, Bill, from a guy who 
was a practice squad player for the Eagles, was a personal guy with the Chiefs. When you when you look at being promoted from within, what is your thought process for doing it versus bringing someone in from the outside? Well, you know, you don't want to have someone just get promoted from within just because you like the guy and he's been there. And I think that's what you have to weigh. You know, obviously, if a guy's been there and you can see his work ethic and you can see that he has a good knack for the game and can do things you're asking of him, then it's a it's an advantage that he's on your staff because you don't have uh, you don't have like this period where well is he a good guy is he a good guy you're hearing it you know from second and third hand you actually see it so there is an advantage to that. However, sometimes as we all know we've seen it in our lives it is good to get a fresh start and just or get a fresh face or get a fresh perspective into what you're doing to give you a different perspective because the worst thing you can possibly have is everybody robots and as you get you know as you get older. You know, you know, uh, when I was a scout with the Chiefs and when I was, uh, you know, manager for Medtronic, you know, there's people that you like, the people that you feel that you, you know, matriculate to just because of the personalities. But that's not always the best way to surround yourself with those type of people. It sometimes is not a bad idea to do a little self-reflection. What are you good at? What are you not good at? And then try and get somebody different that mm-hmm. gives you a different perspective. I think and, the, the Matt Burke hire, when you, you saying that makes me realize the Matt Burke hire could be really important as a as a, a senior advisor or, or advisory role because you have a guy who's coached with Jim before and is very familiar with his scheme, which is we've talked about more so than other DCs. That's important because Jim's scheme is unique. And then he promotes one from within. So he kind of has one guy from within that knows his scheme and has coached here for a while and that the players respect, and then another guy that he respects. And I wonder – I mean, Adam is kidding, but I really wonder if – Jim is more prone to taking a little bit more advice or advisory from his advisor, right, from a guy he's coached with before and is comfortable with than, say, maybe even someone on the offensive side like Doug or someone who would have been new who didn't really know him. Well, there, there is definitely something to say that, and I think that's a good point, and that's uh, uh, something to really weigh. And, you know, for example, when you're with the Raiders, when Al Davis was around, you knew when you were out in the, on the beaten path and you were a scout, and, I, you know, it's, it's not easy being a scout, trust me, that you were – you were looking for a receiver that could go get it. Mm-hmm. That's just way out. Al wanted burners. He didn't. He didn't want a. Uh, he didn't want you know a Wes Walker. You know, yeah. he wanted a burner. He, he wanted, wanted a James Jet. Exactly. Too bad he couldn't catch. So I'm talking to Terry Bradway last night, who is a friend of the show and and uh, former GM in the NFL. Now is a consultant slash scout with the Dolphins, and he said, "Hey, we got like a whole new staff down here," and the and he says it's exciting and everything else. But I could tell from a scouting perspective, you're not really sure what type of guys that they're, they want because they haven't sat down with them yet. They sure. don't know what their mindset is, so they don't know how to go out and look for guys that they particularly, particularly want. Right. And there's not like, it's not like there's five months to figure it out. Exactly. <laughs> the draft is a couple months away. Right. So in that situation, it, it may be a little more difficult. So maybe the way the Eagles are doing it is maybe a combination mm-hmm. will, will benefit them in, in the long run. And so, so a couple things I would add. So. As I understand it, Mike Rowe knew Carson Walt from their time from with the Bears. Okay. So now, and I don't know if they're, I don't know if they're going to promote from within for an assistant receivers coach because Walt was their assistant receivers coach. So I'm not sure what they're doing there. But Mike can over oversee. He could also oversee the receiver position if they sure. need. If he needs to to get involved with it, he can. Uh, we don't know yet um, the assistant offensive line. I think that's the only job that's open because Walt is now the receivers coach. And we um, we know about we know about Matt Burke being a consultant. Right. Well, Panunzio 
it's oh, from Alabama. Okay, Joe Pinunzio. Okay, so that's a new one. Jeff okay. Settling came from, and right. they're very. I know this from organizational. They're close. They're tight. So it wouldn't. And, and Pinunzio has coached running backs and tight ends before, which is not offensive line. But I mean, I got a feeling you can be an assistant offensive line coach if you have a a friendship and a knowledge of the game okay. with with Stoutland. Right. So Joe Pinunzio. Here's Joe Pinunzio in a nutshell. Joe Pinunzio was very well liked by everyone who worked around him. Real good personality, really good energy. He was one of those people from the Manowitz mm-hmm. and Chip Kelly regime that was universally well liked by the Roseman administration. Right. In fact, they kept him around an extra year. Yes, I think and it was he who decided to go back to Alabama. Howie's credit. Despite what everyone thought, like he, everyone thought, oh, Howie's going to fire all of Chip's guys and Ed's guys. That's not the case. That's where I think Howie grew as a personnel guy. And Ponunzio it's just really well liked. I've never even met the guy. I just know people worked around him. Love same the here. guy. I heard the same thing. Yeah, really yeah. talented guy. Very funny. Good sense of humor. Really good coach. Right. So look, the one reason what they've won a Super Bowl is the coaching's been really good, and the personnel staff has been pretty good. Right. This has probably been, and I don't know how good everyone gets along. I'm sh- I'm sure it's never perfect, but it's good enough. This is probably the best job of evaluators they've had, and and coaches they've had, probably. Since the early 2000s when they had Spags, Ron Rivera, Leslie Frazier, Brad Childress, Tom Heckert, Jason Light, Roseman in his infancy in the, in the business, Banner, you look at everyone, this is really strong. And that's why they're positioned, guys, to really do well going forward. All right. I'm glad you said going forward because I do want to talk about Nick Foles and then kind of get into how this team now kind of rebuilds in this offseason because I think that that's going to be a fair word. Um in college, you'll hear retooling, like Ohio State will oh, lose it's not, I don't see it as a rebuild. Though. No, no, but that's where I was trying to get at the in-between between rebuild and retool, because certain a lot of players are going to have to go, but they're not going to lose sight of the fact of trying to win the Super Bowl. They're just going to have to make a lot of moves, and A, it starts with Nick Foles. Um, they were over the salary cap. They restructured Rodney McLeod's deal, so they saved, I think, $5 million on that. And then Nick Foles counts $20 million right now for the moment because he hasn't been franchise tagged. If they are able to move – well, he opted out. No, they the opted kid, in. Contract doesn't he count. He opted yeah. out. Yeah, so the, the only way they can gone. yeah, the only way they can trade him is by slapping the franchise tag on him. There are reports that they will do that. I can't see this feasibly happening because the Eagles are still – I believe right now they're still over the cap, projected cap. So in order to just put the franchise tag on Nick Foles for about $25 million, they need to be compliant with the cap. So how can they get $25 million plus cleared between now and the day the cap has to be applied, which is right, I think, before the new league year starts, to get cap compliant? Well, you, you can't do it without either releasing yeah, or restructuring. restructuring, yep, that's and exactly right. eight guys have been restructured in the last year. You can't keep restructuring the same guys. Yeah, so Jeff, last offseason, they went to over a dozen players to restructure. Some said yes, some said no. There aren't a lot of players left. You and I had a phone conversation earlier this week. We were kind of amazed as you and I went through it as we had access to certain contract information. We're like, wait a minute, they can't go to him because they can't restructure this guy again. Mm-hmm. I mean, certain players have been restructured twice. I don't know yeah. if you know that. Yeah. I, I went through every contract um, over the last couple of days. And I'm like, who's left? I mean, exactly. Timmy Jernigan. Yeah, let's just give it. Yeah, Jernigan's yeah. been restructured. Lane Johnson has been restructured. No, no, Chip, no, no, no. Jernigan is a guy I'm that sorry. could attack. I'm sorry, they he target. had a ripped yeah. up deal. But Lane Johnson has been restructured. Yep. Zach Ertz has been restructured. Brandon Brooks has been restructured. Malcolm Jenkins, I believe, has been restructured. 
Uh, Rodney McLeod was just restructured. So that's five guys right there. And those are five of your top eight highest paid players. So the next guys you go to for restructuring aren't making enough money to help you clear enough money. So So it comes down to this. Do you really think the Eagles are going to franchise tag Nick Foles and clear the $25 million to get him under the cap, to get cap compliant? Well, here's the the question would be why would you why would you decide to roll over his option if you weren't going to trade him? Remember in our last show you said, "Okay, guys, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do the Eagles do it? What do they do here? Roll it over or not?" And I said, "I think they'll roll over." I said, "This is not me reporting. I'm just a, it's an educated guess." Knowing the way that the Eagles roll, they're not going to let if within their power within the rules, they're not going to let Nick Foles walk. Not going to happen, and that's what happened. They rolled over the option. Nick had five days to do, to avoid it. He's avoiding it now. He does not have a contract for nineteen. Mm-hmm. The only way the Eagles could keep him is to franchise him, or he walks. Mm-hmm. If they don't franchise him, they could potentially for twenty twenty get as high as a third round compensatory pick. By the way, he's not guaranteed to get. They're not guaranteed to get that. That's the best they can do. Correct. So it's to the Eagles' advantage to franchise him. Now there are questions, and I've I've actually wrote about this many years ago. Um, with for, I forget where I was. It was either Fox Sports or ESPN. You're really not supposed to. The intent of the franchise tag was to keep your own player. Right. Florio from Pro Football Talk pointed that out. He said that yeah. if the Eagles do this, then Nick Foles could potentially file a grievance for violating the spirit of the franchise tag, of the which rule. is not Correct. intended to be used Mike for did trade. a great job. It, Mike, that was what I, I discovered by reading the CBA years ago. It, it would violate the spirit of the rule. Right. The I I can't remember now because it's been so many years. I, I don't know if it got changed in the 11 CBA. Maybe it did. But I just remember doing research on it. It definitely would. And that's why, you know, you have to be careful when you report something. What are their plans? Well, how else would you find out? I have to, I mean, yeah, could you, you could theoretically talk to other teams and they could tell you, hey, talking to the Eagles, it sure sounds like they're going to franchise them. They don't want to lose them. They're actually entertaining trade calls. I mean, that's pretty much what they're going to do. And then we've got the combine coming up when uh, they, their front office could really do this. But I, my sense had always been with this thing, to summarize it, there's no way they let him walk. Uh, I mean, I could be wrong. It's to their advantage. This guy's got value. I don't think there are going to be a lot of teams involved. And for them to get better in a third, I think they still could get a second if they could get... The way you create leverage, guys, is you get more than one team involved. Of course, bidding war. I was told, literally, as soon as the season's over, I'm talking first week of January, Jaguar source told me, the Jaguars will be in on Nick Foles, potentially Ryan Tannehill, and Joe Flacco. They're going to go get one of those quarterbacks. They are going to want a veteran quarterback, and they may draft someone. Mm-hmm. Then you brought in a new OC. They kept the quarterback's coach. So obviously the front office will have to get their opinions. But they're not going to let their season be ruined by bad quarterback play. All right, so here's the, the situation. There's a, I would, uh, there's a report, Ozzy, from the New York Post that if Nick Foles – is allowed to walk in free agency, the Giants would sign him. They would sign Nick Foles. All right, and I have to think that Howie, that's the that's like the worst case scenario for him is, oh man, he goes to a division rival, or even the Washington Redskins, because they're not expecting Alex Smith to be back. So, but I look at it differently. As I, I, I say, you know what? These are teams, you know, Giants and Washington that have struggled lately and, you know, love Nick Foles, but does he go to the Giants and make them Super Bowl contenders, or does he really give them... Does he cure all their problems with that offensive line? I don't know. I mean, is it worth putting the franchise tag on him, 
Then having to clear twenty five extra million on your cap, even though just to then let him go, right? To trade him, and then you all of a sudden you have this cap space. But is it worth doing that? And then maybe creating friction with Foles, who then is going to go and file a grievance against you for the good faith uh, violation there, or do you just let him walk to the wherever, get your comp pick, and move on with your franchise quarterback? Well, there's obviously. Um different ways to address this, what you're talking about. My feeling and what I have heard and also what I feel and look at with the Eagles is that they're going to make this a, um, they're going to, they're going to involve Nick's people. They're going to involve Nick because that's just the way Doug is. And it seems that's, that's the way that the Eagles organization really wants to be known. They, they want that to get out there because this is the only year they're going to go for free agents. They're the only year they're going to sign players. They want to be known as a, 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 an organization that does, you know, think rationally and try and help players. My feeling is that if they put the franchise tag on them, they already have done their due diligence. They know there's teams that are going to be in, that want him. Right. So they've already done that. They, they, if they franchise him, that means that they already have a couple people that have inquired about him, and they feel really confident that they're going to be able to trade him. Okay. So then that would. So the only realistic scenario I see is that they put the franchise tag on him and execute the trade before. The start of the league new year before well, they even have to be cap compliant. You can't trade. You could. You could. Uh, you can't trade them officially till the start. On, That's on, right. You okay? can't. All you so, can do. So, so they will have to clear that twenty-five million in cap space, even to make the trade, just I, to get. I have to board. also. I have to get this clarified. That's a I lot of money. Right. I'm not. I'm not sure. When does the twenty-five million dollar count? Because I, because I know this. When you sign the franchise tenor, it's fully guaranteed at signing. But I think the twenty. If it is, we don't know if it's. It's going to be somewhere between twenty-five and twenty-six million. Mm-hmm. What I want to, and I ask Andrew Brandt this. He would know. Can you, I, okay, so I, I think it. Act, I know what you're getting at. As soon as they actually put the tender, does that mean it counts against the cap immediately? Or does it only count when he when that's he signs? That's a great point. So they that's can what actually. I know. Right. They can put the. Uh, I'm theoretically. I'm, I'm not sure. Right. Could they put the franchise tag on him and tell him don't sign it because I'll they've already agreed on a trade, right? But even so, even if it's even if he hasn't signed it and then they're ready to make the trade and it has to be at the start of league year. As soon as he signs it, as you said, he's got to be on the Eagles' books, even if it's just for a minute, for temporarily, at $25 yes, million. So yes, that still means, yes. no matter what, the Eagles have to clear $25 right. How is that possible? Yeah, I, 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 well, well, again, the, the $20 million for 19 is off the Eagles' books because right. they're not rolling over the option. Right, so that brings them close to even. Right, right. Um, or maybe a little bit I will that. have, despite all the speculation, uh-huh. there's a lot of speculation what, where the Eagles are in the cap. Here's what I could tell you. Um, people, stop guessing. Unless it comes from the team, it's irrelevant. I'll mm-hmm. find out what their number is, and right. we'll have it exclusively for our show next week. Because mm-hmm. I just want to ballpark figure where they're at and what they have to do. Because you and I talked at length about this on the phone. And as you and I went through these contracts, I'm like, man, they don't have a lot of options here. Uh, you, Jason Peters is a guy we talked about the last show. Uh, Jason Kelsey... Um, who has not made a decision yet, though I know he's been working out in the Eagles complex. Mm-hmm. Folks, that doesn't mean anything. That just means he's he's here and he might be working out. That doesn't mean he's coming back. If he if he doesn't come back, um, that what's he what's he owed? He's for nineteen, six point five million comes off the cap. Mm-hmm. If he comes back, the issue is are they gonna extend him, restructure? He's a guy that they don't have say Milo might be Jeff his replacement later on, mm-hmm. but don't forget about Brandon Brooks and his injury. Right. And what do they do about Jason Peters? This offensive line is something we haven't really talked about a lot, guys. Oh, we're going to. They've got some major <laughs> issues going forward, way more than I thought. Yeah, we're gonna. We actually will as we get closer. So now I figured it out. I think. 
All right, so Foles cost, I think you cleared $19 million with Foles by not coming back, okay? And then they restructured Rodney McLeod, and they saved five. So let's call that, even if I'm wrong, I might be in the ballpark, okay? Let's call that $20 million. Million. Yeah, it was $20 yeah. million. And it was they were 20. about 16 over. So they are under now. They're probably $8 million under, right? So to get that more, whatever, it's 15 or 17 more, they're going to have to clear players. But I imagine that those were players that they were already talking about clearing anyway. If Jason Peters is one of them, that's about, well, I believe, eight or nine million that they Let saved. me ask you a question. Michael this Bennett could be one. Chris Long could this be This is one. for both of you guys. If you were, because this is what Joe Banner told me. He said, when you restructure a contract, you have to be willing to, if the guy says no, or if he's willing to take, not if you ask him to take a pay cut, you have to be willing to cut a guy. Like If the guy says no, he calls your bluff, you got to say, okay, well, you're out. Right. Okay, let me ask you a question. And I don't know this yet because we, these things do, typically don't happen until the Eagles sit down with the agents at the Combine. If you are the Eagles' front office, you watch the tape, Bill Osborne, this season. Would you ask Jason Peters for a pay cut just because it's his cap number is over $10 million at 37 years old? What, what are you doing? Pay I, cut, restructure, or, or, or leave it alone? Um. I would I would do my best to restructure him for sure to save some money save some money and what if okay now what if I'm gonna okay I'm gonna respond to that okay for both of you guys Jeff Billy says no pay cut restructure Jeff Mosher what if Peters and his agent say you know what we're gonna keep it as is do you move on you so, know where I've been on that situation for the I'm I'm a move on even I'm not even giving him the restructure you want it you want him I'm out cutting the cord yeah. Really? Okay. All right. What's your okay? I, I believe I Go mentioned ahead. it the last podcast. It's it, to me. It's like the the old Ruben Amaro uh, Phillies theory that you keep, you know the once the signs start that you're breaking down, you're breaking down. Even when you're playing well, when healthy, you're breaking down so much that you cannot continue to practice Monday through Friday, taking every first team rep, and then on Sunday you're you're out after the first or second series, and your backup who had no reps came in. I. I, I think oh, they've yeah, gotten yeah, everything yeah. they could out of him. He right. did play well when he was healthy, but not that Jason Peters well. He just played well just because the state of offensive line is bad these days. But at some point, you have to cut the cord before it's too late. And I think this past year, what we've just seen shows me that if you don't cut it now, it's going to be too late. I'm going to give you another perspective. So my perspective, just I know you're being, just, yeah, just a devil's going. advocate, is this, yeah, good. is that because the left tackle spot is such a unique position to play and because they're at such a premium and because the Eagles not only don't have a qualified backup right now that we feel comfortable with, their offensive line itself is questionable number-wise. I don't think you let a guy like that just walk without trying to keep him, even if he is not the Jason Peters we know. I'm just saying this hypothetically. Right, because I he's do acknowledge still, he's still a good player. Right, yeah. yes, of course. When he plays, right. If he, if, he's, if he wants to play and he's willing to restructure his contract, even if you have him as a backup ready to go, I think your team is much better until you have someone who's better than he is ready to take their place. That's just my feeling. As a quarterback, as a player, player yeah. that's I will, what I would want but to he, do as a I'll quarterback. I'll be the first to say it's a very fair argument, and I don't yeah. knock people for saying that they should bring Jason Peters back. I get it. I just wouldn't. Yeah. All right. So here, okay. Let, let's let's move. Let's push this forward. If Peters is gone, whether he retires or they ask for a pay cut or refuses, they cut him. Whatever it is, your options are Vitai on the final year of his rookie deal, who 
absolutely regressed this season. Whatever level you want to put it at, sure. He was not the player who had a really solid playoff run. I, I don't have an answer for it. I'm actually not even sure he was that good during the playoff run. I just but he was a little like better than we probably expected. Cover him up, but yeah. okay, right. Yeah. Jordan Mailata mm-hmm. is the guy they absolutely love. I right. mean, I had multiple Eagles sources tell me that. If Peters didn't come back, they think he's competing for the job, and he's never even played in a regular season game, right? He never played the season. Yeah, never played. Which is crazy. As Bill said, it's a, you're talking about a right-handed quarterback. That's a left tackle. That's a blind side. And yes, we we trust Jeff Stallen, who's a great offensive line coach, and that's his pet project. But you you can't you can't just go in with him. I think what we said on the last podcast was, if this happens, they got to bring somebody else in. Yeah. That that's my solution. A young a veteran who's l- relatively low priced to compete right. he, or a draft yeah. pick. Here's my solution to what you're saying: Vitae, Mayalata, veteran on a one year deal and a draft pick. You got four guys, four options. Settle about, and if all else fails, you move Lane. Does Lane want to do it? No. Will he? He'll if do he has what's to, best for the sure, team, sure. because he's, he'll do what's best for the team, uh, and it'll right. be fine. Let me let me just say this. Yep. In every, I think you guys can both acknowledge this for whatever position. In every organization, you have from a personnel standpoint, there's risks involved. I remember Absolutely. a few years ago, the Packers decided, you know, they drafted a kid, Corey Lin, Lin- their center out Corey of Ohio Lindsley. State, Corey yeah. Lindsley. Yeah. He was a rookie, and that's a really tough position to play as a rookie. And they said, you know what, we're good enough at quarterback and all around to be able to overcome a rookie center. And up until this year, but he's a good he's a good lineman. They went to they were in the conference championship a couple of years ago. That was the risk, and they knew they had a strong enough team to be able to overcome it. I think the Eagles are strong enough to overcome whoever it is that's going to well, play here but, because but, they've already shown it. Peters I know that, but, but hang on, okay, hang on. You've got. We'll start with Peters on the left, I, and I, we'd have to look this up. I'll look at the game books. How many games did he leave before it ended with an injury? Okay, at least f- four that okay. he left. Yeah. You, that can't happen. Okay. Left guard is left guard is going to be Isaac Samalo. He's he he displaced Wisniewski. Right, Wisniewski has a as an option for nineteen mm-hmm. for three million. I'd be stunned if they picked it up. I mean, he's I not agree. a bad backup. But I that, agree. He's you just got not, Matt Pryor cut waiting in the wings. There, there you That's go. Fine. Matt Pryor and Warmax up by the way. Uh, so left tackle is in flux. Samalo's mm-hmm. or left guard. Right. Kelsey, I think better chance he comes back than not, but it's not a lock. We'll see what happens. Right, right guard. Coming back from torn Achilles, unfortunately, it happened in the playoffs, correct? Yes. We don't know for a fact that... Okay, last game. That's right. The New Orleans game, correct. Mm -hmm. We don't know for a fact he's going to be ready week one. Correct. Okay, so they have left tackles a question mark, centers a question mark. If he doesn't come back... But as soon as he says, I'm coming back, it's not a question mark. It's not. No, no, but we just he needs to say yes or no. Right. Right guard's a question mark, Mm -hmm. right tackle's not. So three positions right now are a question mark. And and you know what? Vitae's a valuable backup with versatility. Warmack's up. Wisniewski, I don't see them pick right, up the can, option. Can we be what are they going to do? What are they going to do? I want to hear from both of you. Yeah. Don't you agree, wouldn't you admit, though, that if you brought back Jason Peters to play left tackle, that remains a question mark? From a physical standpoint, yes. So, sure. th- so that, so that yeah. doesn't change the equation for me. It's still a question mark. It's still mark. a question mark. Okay. Well, here's, here's okay. what I just say to that is that, number one, is that we could see when he came back at, toward the end of the season, in the middle of the season, it's almost like we didn't even have to talk about the offensive line. It's like he settled the offensive line. I can't say did. he just did it himself, but it seemed that when he got back in there, everything just went, you know, the team stopped trying to rush from that side. They just right. almost gave up on that side. I, you have to have some foresight. I right. think you have and, to wonder if that's the best, that you got everything you could. You right, know? and they said here, even I was reading something, and they said if he comes back for 2019, his cap hit is $7.75 million. That would make him the 29th highest paid tackle in the football, in the yep. NFL. So it's almost like he's a bargain 
at even at 80%, he's better until the Eagles have somebody that they feel is can somewhat do the job um, to Jason Peters' level. I just, you know, from my perspective, is the you said there's a, there's a risk reward. I think the risk value is still to keep him there until things move, especially if he will restructure. All right, we're gonna have the first Inside the Birds podcast bet right here. Got it. All uh-huh. right, here's the deal. <clears throat> the Eagles hang on to Jason Peters. I take you guys out for a steak dinner and pay for it. I don't eat steak, though. Oh, uh, that's that. <laughs> I win. I'm a vegetarian. I'll, I'll, I'll take you out for yours. dinner I'll and you get a vegetarian <laughs> meal. I'll get a salmon. I'll Eagles salmon. cut or move on from Jason Peters. He's not back on the team. Oh, you guys boy. take me out. And I, I like to go to like these Brazilian places oh, where they man. just cut the meat off onto your plate. But Adam, maybe could you I'll... give me a week? Could you give me a week? Because mm-hmm. I need to check on this. I oh no 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 because you're so str- you're steadfast but, on this. No, now, but right? I just I just think that <laughs> his cap number is too high. You hit him where it hurts. I just I just think his. Well, cap- you win on a restructure. I'll even give you that if he restructures. Uh, it, I'm, it's very so, so you're against it. You don't I, want I'm, him back. I'm not okay. taking Jason. You Peter and I are back. not. I'm. Um, my percentage is. 55-45, bring him back. out of this bet. No, 50, I'm, I'm, no, but I'm not real strong on bringing him back. Okay. But Bill makes a great point. They did play really... It, it's just amazing. As soon as he sort of got himself settled, their line played in St. Malo, by the way. That was a good move to it, it put was. him back in the lineup. It, it seemed like everything really rolled. Their offensive line rolled. But the thing that's Manning is how many times are you going to leave the game? Uh, the, hey, listen, You can't pay for that, right? Quiet. All right, I will give you a week because I don't think anything's going to happen. I need to JP find out a little bit more. Yeah. you got to get on one side of the fence or the other. Bill is on right, one side. I'm right, on the opposite right, side. Right. So for this bet to go through and our listeners who are definitely going to be plugged in wanting to know who wins yes. and what's at stake, I will actually come up with a good solution. It won't just be a meat restaurant, Adam. We'll, we'll get some vegetarians. Although these Brazilian, I don't know if you've ever been to uh, like Fogo de Chao. Oh, oh, my oh, mouth is watering thinking about this. They've got a best. Salad and, oh, and fish okay. and everything. The best salad for, oh for uh, meat eaters, uh, vegetarians. We'll take him, Jeffrey. All right, let's go to fact or fiction really quick, okay? Um, Carson Wentz will get a contract extension this offseason. Fact or fiction, Billy Osborne? Fiction. Ooh, you don't think they're going to extend that? Mm. Okay. Any reason? Well, I mean, I think they'll, look, they'll do it at some point. It's just not this offseason. All right. Adam? Fiction. Here's why. <clears throat> his final year of his contract, they'll roll over the fifth year option if they don't extend him. Mm-hmm. You know his base his base salary is seven hundred twenty thousand. Okay, and his you, cap now his cap number would be eight eight point four million. Theoretically, add yeah. years to the end and not really change his cap figure for next year. Right, because what happens is you give him a massive signing bonus, you prorate it. Right, and what the Eagles have done, and we, we don't want to junk up the whole podcast here with contracts. Yeah, we don't want to nerd out. But the way that the Eagles have structured <laughs> contracts recently is they're flat early, and boy, do they really. Rise and rise and can, rise. Can I point out an example? Yeah, Alshon Jeffrey last year, this past season, was on under the books for four four million. In 2019, he's on the books for 14.7 million, which is a 10.7 million dollar differential. And Lane Johnson's cap hit goes from five million last year to 15.3 next year, which is more than triple. And so that bad. that's the difference, Jeff and Bill. How the Eagles' contracts have changed lately. They're they're trying to take the low and early. And then as the player continues to play, he gets that money. But, man, those cap figures are higher. And then the problem is when you restructure some of these guys, they continue to inflate. Now, the Eagles have taken what we call credit card spending on some of these players. Uh-huh. They, they've made good bets on guys who play hard, play well, and don't get hurt. But now Brandon Brooks got hurt. You're concerned coming back from that injury because, quite frankly, if he wasn't the best guard of the National Football League, He's one of the probably three or four best. Right. It's a home run signing. This kid, this right. guy's, what a great signing. 
Since right. Howie Roseman's you, come back, you're killing this fact or fiction. This is supposed to be fact fiction. Fact. No, it's all been no, it's all be it's all been good. Yeah, but I get concerned with this is what the Cowboys went through. They're big on restructuring contracts and credit card spending. At some point, if no, these guys retire them, yeah. or can't play, they lost to Marcus Ware early because of that. And a Tony Romo retiring, they took some dead money. Yeah, want to be careful about that. Yeah. All right, fact or fiction? Doug Peterson is a better coach than Sean McVay. Adam. Fact. Okay. Ozzy. Oh, you have to think. I'm surprised wow. you have to think about that. Well, I'm, I'm actually making, I'm not just being like a smart aleck and just being, I'm saying it because I think from a, from a, from a, <laughs> hey, I think from a, I think from a, uh, a coaching standpoint, overall coaching, I'd say fact. Uh-huh. I would say from a in-game game calling up to this uh, this year, I would say I kind of like what the the Rams have been doing. So that's why I would say. So where does that where does that tilt? That's a good question. I'll I'll rephrase it just for you. Go because ahead. You Thank you very much. You I know Adam and I are, Adam and I are the worst students in this. You, right? You, we, are, we are terrible. Can, we take it off. We take we're it. Like, it we're, in like a we're like the kids. We're like the kids. And all our listeners, section. all our listeners, are love this when you when you were in your school and you had to like write a you know an answer to the question and the question was in 1973 <laughs> who was the president of the United States and your answer was. The, the the president of the United States in 1973. Well, that's how you started. Was a so man you, yeah, so you got elected. So you got, so you got 25 Tricky words day. written. <laughs> you got 25 words written. Millhouse. It was Millhouse. Yes, Richard Millhouse. Right, so let me, if go you ahead, have, buddy. You need to win a big game tomorrow, and you have your choice of McVeigh or Peterson. Who are you taking? Oh, Dougie Fresh. All right, thank yeah. you. My God, that's an easy one. All right, last. Well, do you want me to say Doug Peterson? Just give me a wink one. and no, say I want you to win. I even find of you and said Sean McVeigh. Hey, Jeff. The reason why I picked the Patriots to win the Super Bowl is because of coaching. I didn't think. McVay was ready. He made some coaching. De- he made some bad coaching decisions, just a play calling and just being ready for games. I'm a huge McVay fan, mm-hmm. but he missed out. There, there's an analytics site that pointed out five mistakes he made with play calling, which were sort of like rookie mistakes. Right. Peterson, everything he did, it seemed like in 17 guys. Yeah, except for chasing two points early in the Super Bowl, but that's okay. They were able to overcome it. He, he, Doug, who knew about Doug? Who like, knew? Who yeah. knew? All right, last yeah. fact or fiction, and let's try to like you know. Fact, fact, Let's go. Fiction. All right, here we go. This is a good one. The Eagles should have traded Nick Foles last year when he had a higher value. No. Fact or fiction? Absolutely fiction. No, no way. I, I agree with all of you. Okay, good. I, I agree with you. But a lot of people are saying that I know. now because the value isn't as high as it was. It's but funny. you wouldn't have had what you just had. Exactly. So, some Nick people Foles. were writing exactly. that the Eagles, as you just said, his value will never be higher. He just won the Super Bowl MVP. You forgot about the quarterback that he was, be- that he was backing up. Had injury history. That's why you do it. It's an expensive, it's an expensive policy. Hindsight's twenty twenty four. No, you you'd right? be smart, man. I agree. Roseman and his front office did a great job. That so, was actually certainly smart. Certainly, if if Alshon right. catches that ball, you can make an argument that they beat the Rams and they're in the Super Bowl. Now, now that guy, I did not agree with their front office, and I turned out to be wrong. I was hesitant to to because of his history with the Bears of underachieving. I was surprised Alshon? at how, I was surprised at that. Now, he's had injuries here. Let's not forget right, this that. This is not about Alshon. No, but, 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 but what I, no, we already said that. No, but what I'm saying with Alshon is uh-huh. the bets that the Eagles front office has made with Joe Douglas and Howie Roseman, for the most part, have been really good. It wasn't that way when Howie first started. He made way too oh, many yeah, mistakes. Yeah, yeah. Many. But you have to learn. And having good people around you helps you. Well, the yeah. best thing about it was it was a one-year deal. They made improvement. And, and I think that, I think that uh, our fearless leader, um, you know, Lori, I think yes. what he did was really great. Like he just he, he, he didn't get he didn't get a, he didn't get rid of Howie. He kept him 
and he kept him in the organization so he was able to see things and be a part of it so that you know when he did move him he was right there I have a factual fiction for you guys this is a, this no, an, no, this an easy one we're moving on oh. you're gonna have to save it for Jeez, next one we, it's, we're at the 47 minutes this was an easy people. one this was a fun All one right. go ahead, go we ahead. got asked the insider and I think that's a really important segment that we're bringing back people want to ask us questions the first question came God, on so Twitter difficult. from Anthony Rusciuti at Richutes. All right. He says, it's not typical, but can you see the birds addressing linebacker as early as spending one of their two ra- second round picks on them? There are some good ones out no. there. No. <laughs> no, you don't think so? No. Okay. Uh okay, so I'm not I haven't looked this up, but I'm fairly certain they've not drafted a first round linebacker since early eighties. Yeah, we're maybe? not counting Marcus Smith, right? Because that was outside in the three. Yes, four. correct. Okay. A pure linebacker. Right. Matt McCoy was the last one in the second round? No. Was Come Matt, on, dude. Wasn't Matt McCoy second no. round? No. Well, what round was Matt McCoy? Big, Michael Kendricks was a Michael second Kendricks. round pick. Yeah. It's actually pretty good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Matt McCoy didn't work out. Michael Kendricks did to a certain extent, um, but he his role regressed. I say they won't do it. They have so many needs. So right now, as it stands, and obviously we're not close to the draft, but heading into free agency, and we'll talk about it more in a couple weeks, their needs are obvious. Is I think their needs are. I think linebacker is a need. I think D line, O line, linebacker, safety. I mean, the wide receiver. Yeah, running but, back. But but you gotta go. BPA they have so many regard. needs. I'm going for money needs. Linebackers down the line, man. You, you don't. Wow. You don't you spend sound like a the Andy Reid guy who thought like guys like Omar Gaither and uh, yeah, you but know, that wasn't. But you know what? That was Akeem Banner. Jordan that was that whole group. I, to me, it's offensive line. As you told me all fall, and you're right. Don't just think that the Eagles are set with their defensive line. They shouldn't be. They're not. Mm-hmm. Corners also a need. <laughs> Big they time. need more speed. Yep. And where's no, the developmental no, safety? Corner's not a need. Yes, I'm it sorry. is. What are you talking? I, I, are you they joking? Already have, number no, one. Who did have a good run? Listen, what are you if talking a about? Great corner on the board in the first or second round. You go BPA, of course. Oh, so, but now, so now that they these, already have a surplus, they're trying to figure out whether it's going to be Darby, whether it's going to be Douglas, whether it's going to be Jones, whether it's going to be Maddox. First of all, Darby tore ACL. He's coming off with a serious injury. Who do they have could run? I, I'm pretty sure he'll play again, Adam. Yeah, but who do they have could run? They don't want corners that run four three. I think that's been fairly How about obvious. Mid four fours. I'm just telling no, you, it's dude, not no, a need. No, it's, it's, it's wrong. Not. It's Give me not a gavel. Need. I'm going to tell you right now, one of the things that I was looking at coming Billy, you here, know I'm right. The number need one need on this CBS website for the Eagles, cornerback. That I wouldn't agree with, but I, I, it's a need. You're, you're, no, okay, no, but no, number one need. One. It's okay. a need. Okay, got it. Every, well, yes. So every what Jeff wants, need, see, I, I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't call it their I'm number sorry. One Jeff need. wants guys who run in the four eights, I see. <laughs> five, five eights, actually. That's like why me. he likes the guys from the Mountaineers. I want a chance to play corner for the Eagles, so I figured I would I would lower it. All right, so that's how you guys feel. I think it's a, there's an op- I think there's maybe a chance, You can say Adam, forever. You said four eight. I wouldn't handicap it as they're most likely to do that. So I would agree with you on that. All right, Carl Stevenson, at Idle Prof. A lot of talk about Kareem Hunt, Le'Veon Bell. Do you see the Eagles drafting or signing their next running back, Ozzy? They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna address it in the draft. That's my opinion. I would say somewhere within the, uh, I would say somewhere within the first four rounds. Well, the starting running back is not under contract with the Eagles. It's either going to be, I would agree with Bill. It'll either be a signing in free agency. Or more likely in the draft. Wait, wait. The question is: Is it a signing or is it a? Dra- He's asking oh, oh, you to either, give, um, give your best guess here. I would get. I would agree with Bill at draft. All right, draft. I also agree it's draft. Three down running back, by the way. Three down in a worse way. Right. Good point. JB, last question. JB at Delco Special. Can you see another draft like the Macklin Shady? Although those two were not drafted in the same year. But oh yeah, they were. Macklin was first, Shady was second. Oh nine. Where uh, the Eagles plugged that stud running back and then wide receiver in the first two rounds. I'm going to start off and say no, only because it's such a great 
line dra- D line draft that I'd be shocked if the Eagles went offense offense with their first first two rounds. But go ahead, you guys. Well, they need a speed receiver. Okay, that that that's something they have to do. They they the one thing they need at receiver speed. They don't need a lot of receivers. Aguilar will be back on a fifth year option. Uh, that's another guy, by the way, that they probably should look to extend his. His cap number is just under $10 million. That's not acceptable for no, a slot receiver. They'll, they'll extend him. Right, so he'd be a guy they would target. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey signed long-term. They need one outside receiver. That guy's not under contract. Tate's up. I don't, I don't see him coming back. Walls is up. I don't see him coming back. And Jordan Matthews, I don't see coming back unless he wants to be a big back, uh, you know, a backup. So they've got, to, they've got to go in the draft, mm-hmm. I think, and get a wide receiver. And I, I don't. We're not doing draft stuff right now, but I think to me – one thing they were missing in this passing game, as well as Foles played, is that they just could not find a good, reliable deep threat. When Jordan Matthews is being used on the outside, it tells you all you need to know. Yes. Ozzy, any, any, you do think, I personally no. think they'd get wide receiver a little later in the game. Yeah, draft, I mean, they're, they're not going to go. I think your question was, are they going to go after Are they going to do running back, wide receiver, first round, second no, round? No, I don't believe so. I, no, no. But, that, but I think they'll address it to Adam's point, but I don't think it'll be. No way. No, they'll, they'll address something else in the first two rounds. Excellent job, fellas. That it's going to do it for this uh, Inside the Birds. Next week, as we get closer to the combine, we're going to give share some combine stories. We all have some really good ones, and we'll talk about uh, what the Eagles are doing, and maybe there will be some Eagles personnel news between now and then. And, of course, the Jason Peters thing. I'm going to hold you guys to that. Okay. What we we want to do that. I'm just going to tease our combine thing. So I have a combine story as a player uh-huh. that involves Deion Sanders, and I have a Ooh. a combine story as a scout that involves NFL films and Steve Sable. Well, mm. I don't know if there's a better tease that you yeah, can wow. get for an Eagles or an NFL-related podcast than that. So make sure you catch next week's Inside the Birds. That'll do it for this week's Inside the Birds. For Adam Kaplan, Billy Osborne, I'm Jeff Mosher. This has been Inside the Birds. <laughs>